Hey, hashtag M writing listeners, it's KJ here with another blueprint for a book bonus. This is bonus episode seven. And let me tell you, if you have come this far, I mean, here we go. This is like a little gentle clapping sound that I hope won't overwhelm my microphone. I mean, consider that a standing ovation because, I mean, this is huge. You are really, the stuff that you have already done really puts you in a good place to either revise what you've already got or finish what you've already got or start that new thing um, this fall. And fall is zooming up like crazy. So I'm super excited that you have done this work and really put the time in because I'll tell you, this is one of the things that I find hardest. Um, I find it very difficult to sit and do the work that is not writing. To me, putting words on the page is fairly easy. Putting the wrong page words on the page is spectacularly easy. The thing that is hard is taking the time to think about what are the words? What is the direction? What is it that I'm trying to do there? What do the readers want? What do I want to give them? Um, to answer the exact questions that we are answering here. So, I mean, kudos for every step that you have put into this. And believe me that I am very excited to be maturing in my process enough to be able to do this better. I learned from y'all. And the fact that uh, people are willing to sit down and put the time into this helps me to know that it's okay to put the time into this, that this is an equally important, if not more important part of the work than, you know, actually writing the book. So, yay. That's all I got for that. Big, super, double, uber, uber, yay. So this week's Blueprint for a Book topic, um, this week's assignment is about finding your narrative drive. And we spent the episode talking about the various um, the things that make readers want to turn the page in both fiction and nonfiction. And so what I want to invite you to do this week, your special extra bonus assignment, don't worry, it's an easy one and a fun one. But again, it's doing some work that doesn't involve putting words on a page. So I'm going to say, go look at the stack on your bedside table. Um, and I am mentally looking at mine right now. I just culled it. And especially if you haven't culled it lately, it's doubly great to take a look at it. So you have, if you're anything like me, you've got a couple of kinds of books on that stack. You've got the book that isn't terribly hard to put down when it's time for sleep. And that's a good thing to have. Like in this case, in my case, it's Bittersweet by Susan Cain. I'm enjoying that book. I really like it. Um, but who are we kidding? I can put it down. Uh, in, even in nonfiction, that probably is not what you're going for. Not that Susan Cain's success isn't, you know, huge and out of the box. And I don't have enough memory of quiet to remember whether I found it a little easier to put down. Um, I think I find bittersweet kind of easy to put down because the topic is hard for me. So that's not really a judgment on that book. I'm just giving it to you as my example. The other book that I have on there uh, on my bed table that I would have considered my easy to put down, and I still kind of do, is Letters of Shirley Jackson. The funny thing is, 
that suddenly has become hard for me to put down. So it's fairly easy. I mean, they're letters, but all of the sudden, because of who I am and who she is and that she's telling some of the same stories she's told in her uh, Raising Demons and um, Life Among the Savages, and now I'm sort of hearing them from a different perspective, all of a sudden I'm finding it a little harder to put that one down, but still, they're letters. You know, you can tell yourself you're gonna read one letter and you can put it down. But on the other hand, um, the, the book, I've usually got a book on the bed table that I've had to, and that I've had to stop reading because it's at a point where I've got maybe like a third of it still to go or maybe a quarter. But I know when I start reading it again, I'm going to zoom through that. Um, that book right for now for me is Holly Black's Book of Night. Although I picked it up last night thinking I was going to zoom through the rest of it. Um, and I didn't in part because it almost had too much drive. It was too tense for what I what I needed at that moment. So that's a sort of an interesting aside. And I think I'll, I'll get to a little bit more of that. But I, then I honestly don't have a, oh my God, I have to turn these pages book on the bed table right now because I turned the pages because I just finished um, Carrie Soto is Back by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And I couldn't have put that sucker down if I had tried. I, that was just like that. Similarly, in nonfiction, I just finished, and you've probably heard me talk about it. If you actually, you probably haven't, because of the way that we've recorded these podcast episodes. I don't think I talked about it in any of the blueprints, but I just finished This Is Not a Book About Benedict Cumberbatch by Tabitha Carvin, and I couldn't put that down. Um, and that was nonfiction. So, what I'm inviting you to do is to look at your books on the bed table and sort of assess whether and why haven't you finished those? Is it because you're waiting for the right moment because you know you're not going to be able to put it down? Um, I did get there with Carrie Soto and then I picked it. I, I finished it on the plane. But, or is it because you just don't care and maybe you're going to finish this book and maybe you're not? I don't have one of those sitting there right now because I just piled them up and got rid of them. I'm a, a serial DNFer, a serial do not finisher. And if I don't care, even if it's fine, um, and I've had a couple fall into this car. I had one this, this month that I put down halfway through. I was like, this is fine. It's not that I'm not enjoying it, but I'm not loving it. And there's other stuff. So I, you know, I put it aside. So if you've got that too deep pile and some of them are just things that you look at and go, eh, maybe I'd rather start something else. Ask yourself why, what isn't there? Um, what isn't happening? And then maybe, maybe first, maybe first, let's, let's, let's start with what is happening. So go, I personally keep a stack of things I have finished. Uh, until I give them to other people or, or write about them on my bookstagram or just put them on the shelf. But they tend to pile up in a, well, I pile them in a very particular spot. So I can look right now at my things that I just finished and go, why? What, why couldn't I stop with um, Carrie Soto is back? Why couldn't I stop with, this is not a book about Benjamin Cumber, ben, sorry, Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, 
man, I need to give that book an abbreviation, but because that's a hard title to keep saying over and over again. So let's let's talk about Benedict Cumberbatch first. So this is not a book about Benedict Cumberbatch. Is instead a slightly memoir-esque discussion of one woman's discovery that she basically has never in her whole life been able to let her do something herself, do something just because she loved it. And the reasons that I, you know, couldn't set that down in between chapters were that in every chapter she was giving me, first of all, I really identified with it. I really, I mean, it it really spoke to me. So I think, you know, when you pick up a book, so when your reader is the right reader, they're going to be there with you. And what Tabitha Carvin was doing in that book was to give me part of what I wanted to know, part of why she and why I find it hard to do things just because they're fun and not because they have some sort of a purpose. And then she would often even say, you know, you'd think this is it. I need to take a sip of something right now. I'm thirsty. So she would even say, you would think that this was the grand denouement, that I have realized that I never let myself do anything just because it's fun, because um, I you know, need everything to drive me towards success. But wait, there's more. So it was almost like it was almost like every chapter was again Sue Knife commercial. But wait, there's more. And, you know, the but wait, there's more was, you know, there are reasons that uh, I have. I am this way. There are reasons based on things I learned in my family. There are reasons based on things I learned from society. And then even bigger, there are reasons based on my gender. There are reasons based on my age. There are reasons based on who I am. And every one of the, man, that book must have been hard for her to, um, to structure, but it's beautifully done. You should have a look at it. So each of those sort of sets of reasons became a different essay for her around this topic of doing something that you love just because you love it, even if um, it's even not even so much this, that the world perceives an obsession with a particular movie star to be dumb as it was that she perceived it to be unworthy of her attention. And that's what makes it, that's what made that book really interesting was this sort of constant, you know, this movement from, well, you think this is just a book about me be, giving myself permission to love this movie star, but it's more than that. It's really a book about, um, you know, me realizing why I couldn't give myself permission, but it's more than that because it's really a book about me understanding that it's not just on me that I couldn't give myself permission, but it's more than that. It's not just about a silly thing like movie stars. Why is loving a movie star, you know, less, um, more silly than loving a teen that you're never going to, I mean, she just, she goes so deep into this and every chapter just begs you to keep, to stick with it because, but wait, there's more. So that is a nonfiction, um, page turner. And I gave you the example of the life-changing magic of tidying up, which was a weirdly a page turner for many of us. Um, that one, again, I think it's easier to make a page turner out of something to, to go back in time to Gretchen Rubin's The Happiness Project. Then you're kind of asking yourself, well, is she going to do it? You know, what's she going to do next? In those sort of um, 
or in a memoir like Wild, where it's like, what's going to happen next? This is a story. Uh, it's both the story, what's going to happen next in terms of what she's, what's happening and what is she going to learn from what happens next? And it piles on itself in, in, in that narrative way. It's harder to do that in a book of essays or, or, you know, a book like Mary Laura Philpott's books, um, Bomb Shelter. It's harder to keep that page turning impetus going, but it can be done if the reader is kind of going, but wait, you know, what? What is she going to discover next that I also need to know? Um, I just think that's brilliant. So then, in when it comes to fiction, uh, here there's often a narrative drive that's you know it's it's clearer, it's more plot based. What is keeping you? Um, what is keeping you turning those pages? Are you asking, what question are you asking at the end of it, every chapter? Is it, um, is she going to get it? Is it, who is at the door? Is it, you know, uh, wait, why, why did this person just run away? You know, there's a, there's often a plot based chapter at the end of everything, but there has to be more to it than that. There has to be that emotional question as well, which is, I think, I think this may be what I'm stumbling on with the book of night. And I must say, I really am enjoying the book of night. It is really well done. So this isn't a criticism of the book. This is me as a reader. I struggle with coming of age stories. Um, I struggle with people who, um, who cannot, who, who can, I struggle with people, and this is funny because In Her Boots has a lot of people making, uh, a lot of ret, making uh, bad and foolish choices, but uh, I think for different reasons. So I tend to struggle with people um, not making the adult choice, if that makes any sense. And I don't know, maybe that is part of why I managed to write ret. Maybe I needed to get through that struggle. But the problem for me in Holly Black is that that the protagonist is continually making the wrong choice and, and knows it. Like, I think actually that is this protagonist's journey is basically she defines herself as a person who always makes the wrong choice. And I think that in the end, I'm just guessing here and it's not really a spoiler anyway, she's going to discover that her wrong choices are right choices. But still, the level of things that are about to go wrong because of the wrong choices this person is making is so intense right now. I think I just can't. I, I've got to finish this like on an afternoon. It's not going to be, even if I have an hour before bed, it's not going to be the right choice for, for before bed. So I don't know. That that was an aside. But what I'm what was I was getting at there is that you got to have that emotional ride. You have to be asking yourself, what's this person going to decide next? What are they going to change? Um, in the next chapter, will they figure out that it is okay to tell this truth? Or will they um, figure out that they need to step up and take charge? Will they, you know, so there's got to be both an external and an internal choice there. So go out, you know, go back and grab the books that you either haven't finished, aren't going to finish, or just, you know, have sort of set aside and kind of gone, eh, and ask yourself, all right, why was this eh for me? So 
I put one down recently. Um, I put one down because there wasn't enough at stake. Um, I felt like that character in this book was, I, I actually, I put it down because I felt like the author was waving the stakes at me in a big like flag and saying, but what I really need in order to be happy, you know, having the protagonist say constantly, what I really need in order to be happy is this thing that I can, as the reader, clearly tell is not the thing this protagonist needs to make them happy. And it was just, it was so um, telegraphed that it just wasn't working for me. And it totally worked for other, I mean, I can go on Instagram and show you tons of people who really enjoyed that book. And I'm not going to, we don't, I'm not in the business of, of flagging out people that, whose book didn't work for me. I'm just saying that that, you know, if you have to announce the thing that is driving your character forward, if the reader can't feel it, that may be a thing that causes people not to want to turn your pages. And another, you know, another example recently was that I just, um, so romance is a great teacher in this particular respect, because the thing about a romance is, you know, the end, you know, they're going to get together. If it doesn't have a happy, happily ever after, it's not a romance. Um, if that's a question, it can't even be marketed as a romance. So, you know, so you have to be, you have to be desperate to find out how these people are going to get through the barriers that are keeping them apart, which are usually both plot and emotionally. Like you, you may be able to look at that person and go, well, um, the hero of Alexis Hall's boyfriend materials so clearly needs to recognize both of them that they are worthy of love. But you're, you have to, as a reader, understand with every sort of ounce of your soul why they don't believe that. So that's what makes that a page turner is how are they going to get through a misbelief that is so powerfully instilled and displayed? Um, you know, that there doesn't have to be a bomb about to go off if, if the reader is enough invested in that particular story. So that's my assignment to you. My extra bonus assignment is take a look at the books you think of as page turners in your genre that are like what you're doing and ask yourself, why did I turn the page? And then find one where you didn't turn the pages and ask yourself, what did that not have? And then try to apply that to this week's assignment. All right. I hope that helps. I really enjoyed talking to you about it. And um, that's it for me. So I will tell you again, until next week, keep your butt in the chair and your head in the game.